Welcome to Trends with Benefits, real estate investing with Dale Creed Francis and Ryan Litvin. We strive to bring an open, honest, and transparent approach to real estate investing by informing and educating listeners about the real-world benefits, issues, and challenges investors need to know when it comes to direct participation real estate. This podcast is where you can learn the latest trends, innovations, and opportunities available to help build wealth, create income, and diversify your portfolio. So get ready for another informative, fast-paced, and entertaining episode of Trends with Benefits. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Glad you're joining us. I'm Dale Creed Francis, along with the handsome and talented Ryan Litvin. But he's, his arms are crossed. I don't think he's taken this uh, this very, very nicely. I'm genuine. I mean it, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our lovely and very talented producer, Anna Horton, is with us. So we're going to get rolling with this show. This one is going to focus on non-correlated diversification. Now, those words seem simple, but, you know, over the years – we have found that there's a lot of confusion around it, a lot more than we ever thought there would be. And we, we've been beating the drum for non-correlated diversification for our entire careers. Mine goes back a little farther than Ryan's. We don't need to get into how far back. But the point is, is that there's a real key to non-correlated diversification. And I, I'll give you a, an example before we start digging into um, the details here, is that back when we had Financial Fortitude Radio Show for years and years. Ryan, I want to say, uh, see if you remember this. I want to say in about 2011, someone, what you could, we were talking about non-correlated diversification then. We've been, always been talking about it. He said, I just don't understand why you would want it to be non-correlated. I would think you would want your investments to be correlated. And what we understood was that it's because he was all in stocks. And they were doing well. And he was thinking, why wouldn't you want everything to be doing well? Why wouldn't you want everything to be going up? Well, that's great when everything is going up. So then I think it was about in 2012 when there was some really rough stock periods there. And he came to us and said, now I get it. Now I get it. You don't want everything to move the same and move together. And so that was kind of a... um, Kind of a breakthrough moment for him, which was good to see. But we found that it it occurs with with others as well. And so we're going to talk specifically about that, how you achieve it, what the differences are, paper assets versus hard assets, and so on. But f- for one thing, history has shown that the vast majority of millionaires either made or retained their wealth by investing in real estate. Okay, so most people understand or they certainly recognize they should invest in real estate. But how to invest in the asset class has become the long-term challenge for people. Because Wall Street has led people to believe that buying shares in real estate investment trusts, or REITs as they're called, is owning real estate, and it's simply not. Those Those are paper assets, but real estate is a hard asset. So What's missing? What what are people missing sometimes? Well, first and foremost, investors must understand the difference between owning real estate, owning actual real estate, and owning shares in a REIT or a mutual fund, or they'll never really understand the importance of this. So direct participation real estate, or DPRE, 
may really hold the answer for you. So you look at paper assets like shares in REITs or real estate mutual funds, they tend to have dangerously high correlation with the overall stock market. Well, that seems all great, again, if, if stocks are just going up. But now we just experienced January, which was historically the worst month in history of the stock markets. January was the worst month on history in history of the stock market. So right now, it seems like a great time to be talking about non-correlation and the difference and how you achieve it. Because with when you have all of your investments moving together, that's even if they're in different things, that's not diversification. So to diversify, you got your investments have to move independent on one another. So so why do the vast majority of accredited investors utilize direct investing in real estate? Well, for one, it's an actual hard asset, which is non-correlated to other investments like stocks and bonds. So DPRE can potentially solve that lack of diversification issue or the quote unquote, don't put all your eggs in one basket adage. But there are many other powerful reasons as well, like building wealth, creating income, and gaining tax advantages, to name a few. While virtually any commercial property can serve as a DPRE investment, demographic and economic trends favor the growth and income potential of senior living communities and multifamily apartment buildings as the quote-unquote sweet spot for DPRE. Now, before we talk specifics about how to do that with uh, with your investments, we have a booklet called the EBI. It's an evidence-based investing booklet called Trends with Benefits. I would encourage you to go to vincentre.com and request that. No charge. It's about 10 pages long. It's all about statistics, demographic trends, and, and it's not a marketing piece. It's It's really to show where these trends are heading, where they came from, where they began. So, Ryan, let's start in the non-correlated diversification piece by talking about what exactly does that mean? Expand on that a little more than just investments moving independent of each other. Well, I remember that conversation from, what, 12 years ago uh, with that investor in, in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, and we saw that, and I can speak for this, and we're not financial advisors, we're real estate developers, uh, giving our take and opinions on, on you know, the, the investment options, I guess, that, um, that we try to try to open up for people when they're available. I've had this conversation with a lot, and I would say, you know, uh, a lot of the, your kind of more experienced, sophisticated investors in the real estate space, I've found personally, do understand that. Uh, and this show or this podcast is maybe for those that are are seeking them or maybe not involved or, you know, just want more information on, um, you know, what else what else can I do? And based on my, you know, real world conversations, a lot of folks are still under the impression that they have real estate exposure through, you know, the, their mutual funds. Right. And that would come right. in the form of, of REITs, which is a real estate investment trust. Um, and if it were me, again, not a financial advisor, in my opinion, you got to look at what does that REIT hold? What are they buying? Because a lot of them can buy mortgage-backed securities, which are derivatives. Um, many of them can invest in property management companies and other things that are not hard asset related. 
they can even be a real estate brokerage firm. Right. It could be because it falls into the real estate asset class and it's just a, a real estate brokerage company Mm -hmm. that they might actually be investing in. So it's not real estate there. And I don't know if it's, you know, I've been trying to decipher this myself after having some of these conversations when, you know, Hey, you know, this is what we do. Do you want to go through this more? Well, you know, I've, Ryan, I've been getting, you know, 15, 20, 30% in my stock market. Why would I, why would I diversify anything away from that? I think January kind of opened the door, opened the people's eyes a little bit more that, Hey, you know, trees, what do we used to say? Trees don't grow to the sky. Right. Right. Um, and that's where I'm saying that a lot of folks that are in, you know, have a portion of their, their assets or of their portfolio of their cash, um, in real estate, look at that as a separate, um, stabilized piece that's more demographically driven than economically driven, and especially not stock market driven. Uh, and that's a separate, a whole separate tranche for them, as opposed to saying, you know, hey, I need all of my firepower, so to speak, in, you know, all of these, you know, what I would say, again, in my opinion, being risky assets or mm-hmm. just in the stock market. And I don't know if people are trying to just hit a home run or just think that, you know, they're watching the news, which is always touting stocks or, you know, watch, watching that one guy, um, the guy that yells all the time, Kramer, <laughs> right? Um, and I actually saw somebody, um, bye, bye, bye. this is not real estate related, but I saw somebody trying to put together a Kramer inverse ETF. So whatever he recommends to buy, they're going to do the exact opposite. Um, or if he recommends going short, they're going to go long. Uh, I can't argue on, that. That's, that's probably got some legs to it. But in our world, in the real estate world, again, being more economic, being more demographically driven, um, I see it as a more controlled investment. Now, what are the, some of the challenges? Um, availability. It's not, you know, there isn't an endless supply of places to put your money in good projects. And there's only a certain amount that can go into each project. And that's where you have to be kind of selective as well. And that's um, kind of goes for us too, being selective in in which projects we do and how we put that capital structure together for people. Right. And yeah, to, to just look at the, uh, the opposite of that January pain that was in the stock market. I, we didn't feel that type of pain in the, in the world we're in. So uh, it's just something that I think you're right about the opening the eyes again, because a lot of times complacency sets in and it, you know, I think there's a lot of underlying issues to be worked out still with stocks. And again, I'm not opposing stocks. I'm just saying what we have always taught and what I've always done in my own investments is to focus on how my investments can truly be diversified. And that doesn't mean owning a bunch of different stocks or mutual funds. It means owning things that move different from each other. Well, right. And, you know, I'm, I'm biased, of course, because, you know, being in the real estate world and developers, uh, we see this firsthand. Uh, but personally, again, not financial advice, my personal opinion here, but looking at it for me personally, you know, the behind the scenes to the stock market casino, as I would call it, um, you know, aside from it, when you, when you really dig deep, you know, in the last year, there's something called the reverse repo market that maybe a yep. lot of people aren't familiar with, but it's the overnight bank lending. And it's what market makers, you know, that move the stock market and hedge funds and and these folks are are borrowing assets overnight to show collateral because they're so over leveraged, whether it's through the options chains or whether it's through um, 
you know, uh, stock lending or short uh, different stocks. And that re- overnight reverse repo has been over a trillion dollars overnight for the last almost 200 days or something like that. And that's never been done before. In fact, the reverse repo market is something that's newer in the recent year, in the, in the last year or so, um, at least to the levels that we're seeing. And to me, I'm looking at that more as kind of a house of cards or rolling the dice, keeping the the needle in the arm. Um, so, you know, at the surface, you're seeing, you know, only good things. You watch the news, you're only seeing good things, right? But what's behind those scenes? And I think that's when somebody really takes an active approach to saying, okay, what, you know, what is this? You know, I want to participate there, sure. But do I want everything there? Um, you know, is there availability? Is there something that I can do that maybe stabilizes things a little bit more when, you know, this, you know, falls again? Uh, and again, biased because we're real estate developers and I really like um, the projects and real estate uh, areas that we're in. Uh, but again, going back, it's more demographic than than economic. And it's not something that's just been brewing overnight, right? I mean, people are getting older, people are moving, people are coming to the areas that we're in. Um, this is all data driven and looking at, all right, where where is the data over the last 10 to 20 years? What's What's been building and kind of trying to get ahead of that curve? Yeah. And it, you've got baby boomers, millennials, and, and Gen Z uh, that are all f- reaching this point of their life. So the bo- boomers, obviously older who are looking to rent younger ones, are looking to rent. I was getting my hair uh, cut the other day. And Which one? Oh, wh- where at? Which one? Which hair? Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Now I am not going to be nice to you anymore. The- Anna, what? Why are you laughing? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So anyway, I was getting my one hair cut and she, we got to talking and we got to talking about real estate development. And she had so many questions and I go, this is the greatest haircut I've ever had because she literally was so interested in how it all worked. And I asked her, you know, why, why are you so so interested? She's mid thirties, I believe. And she said, I just love renting. She said, I've owned a home before. I just love renting now more flexibility. I don't have to worry about my, um, you know, sink that leaks. I don't have to mow. I don't have to move the snow or whatever. And you're seeing that you're seeing that a lot more. And between boomers who are moving into places for their reasons to be taking care of some of them, or maybe just downsizing to millennials and Gen Z, 75% of the U S population, uh, is in their prime renting years. And that's going to be like that for the next 25 years. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, maybe, you know, you or I, or, you know, those that are listening to this podcast are thinking, well, why would I rent? I don't want to rent. I love owning my home or this. Right. Um, But you have to look beyond that when you're looking at demographics and data uh, and those things. And, you know, going back, BlackRock is obviously um, a lot of smart people over there. One of the, one of the largest uh, funds in the world, you know, they're, getting ahead of the curve uh, and buying up as many single family homes as they can and turning them into rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's other problems that I see there with, you know, maybe destroying the middle class's ability in the future to afford homes. But um, that's something that is again, data driven, um, whether it's rental townhomes, it's apartments uh, on that side of the equation and seniors, a whole other side of the equation, assisted living. 
but that is is happening in a big, big way. Right. And you're not saying you're for it or oppose it. You're just saying that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is what it is. And that's the whole point with uh, like when we look at a community about whether we're going to actually go in there and build a uh, apartment community or uh, assisted living community or something is you look at the demographics, you look at uh, the studies, you look at, you talk to the city and if it's not a strong, strong fit, uh, you, you know, you move on and it is cause it is what it is. Now let's, let's cover some details about the real estate that's in DPRE, just the, the, the specifics of this. So any commercial property can serve as a DPRE investment However, we believe that the demographic and economic and even the local trends here in the Twin Cities favor the growth and income potential of senior living communities and multifamily apartment buildings. So that's what we believe is the sweet spot in this space. And again, they're not paper assets. They're not a blind pool. Uh, they're not they're real estate and they're they're hard assets. And so when you look at what are some of the differences here? What are some of the investment facts? Well, DPRE enables precise allocation to specific properties that investors can visit and evaluate themselves. They may or may not want to, but they, they certainly can. Investors cannot do that with uh, conventional real estate exposure through REITs or mutual funds. That's just uh, the way it is. Uh, again, DPRE is not a REIT. And the big difference there is that uh, REITs are modeled after mutual funds. DPRE is modeled after direct asset ownership. So that's a big difference there. Now, because changes in DPRE investment values are not correlated with changes in the stock market or bond market or other asset classes at all, DPRE investments can potentially improve a portfolio's diversification. So Ryan has hit on all of that stuff already. One thing that people are surprised about is that you can possibly use a retirement fund. Yeah, you can Um, check with your tax advisor. We're not tax advisors, but yes, you can uh, utilize an IRA or Roth IRA to uh, invest in a hard asset of real estate. So we do a trust. We encourage you to do the same. We encourage you to ask any questions that you might have. I really encourage you to go to vincentre.com and request the Evidence-Based Investing Trends with Benefits booklet. It's a 10-page or so, probably right, Anna, 9, 10 pages of data, statistics, trends, demographic trends, economic trends, and it lays so much out, and that is there's no charge to that. I just really encourage you to, to request it. So what are some things within the asset allocation uh, that people can do to keep from putting all their eggs in one basket? Well, if you look at what this, thing, what this type of investing can, can do, a lot of people like the regularity of, of income that they can possibly create from it, um, increased diversification. You can also, an, another thing that uh, is interesting is you can, you're rejecting certain industries. Like if you don't like tobacco, for instance, I'm not picking on them either, but you can select away from that. And almost in, in ways we see our assisted living and, and memory care places as being socially responsible investments, because there is a 
a dire need for that, not in every community, but in so many communities to take care of our older population and help them age with dignity. Yeah, we're, we're everybody's getting older, of course, but also living longer. And with that comes challenges of a uh, level of care uh, that's done for by professionals and qualified individuals as opposed to, you know, living with your adult children and those things, those things only go so far. So that's, that's going back 10, 20, 30 plus years of demographics that have driven this. Uh, and many communities are in dire need of more of that, we'll call it a product type or, or a project type uh, to care for their seniors in those communities in which they've grown and, and want to live or their children and families live. Um, they want mom and dad closer to home. Um, they want them maybe in their hometown, and that's something that has been driving the need in a lot of communities here uh, nationally, but also uh, specifically more local here as well. Right. So as we wrap up, now what? Well, at, at the time when demographic and economic trends present really extraordinary potential, DPRE invest investments offer a way to passively participate in assets that have a history of? Non-correlation with other asset classes, growth, income, and wealth preservation, including potential returns that are stronger than what you may already be receiving. There's risk management, potential tax benefits, meaningful participation in the lives of people in local communities, be that creating jobs or taking care of people in our community. So DPRE presents an opportunity for investors burdened with these paper asset portfolios to maybe lighten that load. And with that, I encourage you to go to vincentre.com, request that EBI booklet, that evidence-based investment booklet. And your questions and input are always a priority to us. Myself, Dale Creed Francis, along with co-host Ryan Litvin and producer Anna Horton, we really look forward to meeting you soon. Learn more about Vincent Companies and the Trends with Benefits podcast at vincentre.com or trendswithbenefitspodcast.com. You can also give us a call at 612-424-8650 or submit questions at info at vincentre.com. And we really look forward to meeting you soon.